and welcome to Step Up Nigeria's podcast. Our podcast is an initiative built to create awareness of governance issues that highlight the cost of corruption and its impact on service delivery. Our podcast also hopes to educate the everyday Nigerian on corruption challenges faced and seek to find solutions to those problems. On our podcast today, which is a very special podcast episode, we will be talking about Halima's Vote, the animated film. Step Up Nigeria launched Halima's Vote in 2019, Halima's Vote, the storybook. Uh, and we're so excited to have partnered with Basement Studios and the MacArthur Foundation to produce an animated film. We have the producers and the cast, key cast and producers of the film with us today um, to just discuss some key things about the film. So um, welcome Ibrahim, welcome Gregory, welcome MB, Oni and Kesiana. We can briefly go around the room and just introduce ourselves that way for our listeners. Um, so Ibrahim first and then Kesiana, then Gregory, um, then MB. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for having me. Um, hi, my name is Ibrahim Suleiman. I'm an architect and actor. And I'm yes, glad and that I'm involved in a project that is socially conscious and very positive. So thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really glad to be here. Good morning. Uh, I go by the name Greg Teddy Bell Jaifua. I'm not a word Teddy Bear, one and only. I am an actor, a voiceover artist, an events compare, and a translator, English to Pigeon, Pigeon to English. And yes, I am Ugo on Alima's voice. Hello, good morning, everybody. My name is Kessiana Phillips Odogu, and I'm actually a Part 5 law student of Obafemi Aolowo University. And, um, well, a voice artist as a result of the works I've done with Basement. So... Yeah, that's basically it. And I played the role Halima in Halima's Vote. Hello, my name is Mbotidem Johnson. I'm the director of Halima's Vote, also the director of previous um, short film, Emeka's Money. Thank you. And finally, we have Oninye O, who I introduced earlier, who is the executive director of Step Up Nigeria and the author of Halima's Vote Story. Um, so to kick off, um, Oni, I'm going to ask you the question first because, you know, you authored the story. Um, why was telling Halima's story through animated films so important for you? Why did you think her story had to be told? Um, thank you, Fermi, and it's lovely to meet all this wonderful cast again. So, so thank you. Um, so to respond to your question, one of the key message I was trying to pass with Halima's vote was that anyone can make a difference. And we Step Up Nigeria has been using Halima's vote, you know, storybook to go to schools and make, you know, give this message. And through the books, we've reached about 12,000 children. But I thought that, you know, it was good. And we go the way we engage um, ch children using these books is by going to schools. And I've always believed that maybe turning this, turning the like Kalima's vote or a maker's money into an animated film would enable us to reach more children than we do, we reach in schools and not just children as well. I thought that it could be an opportunity to influence them adults. And I, so as a result, um, and I was also thinking of more entertaining ways to pass this message about anyone can make a difference about the, the role of girls um, in governance, about the, the negative effects of vote buying. Um, and I thought that this is a message that should just go beyond the children in schools. And the best way to do that was to look for something a bit more innovative and entertaining to relay this, you know, complex governance messages, you know, in a simple and entertaining form. So this is the reason why um, I decided to tell Halima's story using an anim animated film. 
Um, if I use Emeka's money as an example, we used, for example, we reached about twelve thousand. We have reached about twelve thousand children, and um, with Emeka's money, you know, storybook. But when we launched Emeka's money, the movie, we reached, we've reached so far. I think we have about, we've reached about about ninety thousand people um, on the movie. So I thought that this would be a good opportunity to um, reach more people. All right, thank you very much, Oyi. And definitely, I'm convinced that a lot more people will also see um, Halima's vote and will be inspired by it. Um, so, MB, next, um, as the director, when you were first approached to create this film, um, what was most striking to you about Halima's story? What was the most exciting thing about starting this new project? Uh, I think I think what really caught my eyes the most was um, I think was we actually the setting the location where the story was being told and also coming from the perspective of a woman. I think that's really where caught, it caught my eyes the most. I just liked the idea that it was coming from a woman's perspective. And I think the other things that how decision-making and how our actions as, as citizens in the country can actually, sometimes we just blame it on the government, but we actually have a stronger impact on what happens in the government. So I think that's what really caught my eyes the most. All right, MB, um, thank you. I'll ask you a bit more about the production part of the film later. Um, so yes, Greg, very happy to have you back. I can tell you for a fact that children love your character in schools. The moment where you say, look at this small boy, you know, and the big <laughs> eyes from the animation, people absolutely love it. Um, so glad to have you back on this project as well. Um, you played the governor in America's Money and now you're Ugo in Halima's Votes. Um, so which of the characters do you prefer being as a voiceover artist and which of the films do you prefer? How was the experience like? Um, hmm. Hmm. Okay. I, I really can't be biased. I like both characters. I like both stories. But because Halima, uh, for Maker's Money, it was basically corruption you know, corruption, corruption, corruption. But now Halima's vote touches on both corruption and, you know, the the role women can play and have to play to create a change. So for me, it's it's two, three tier. And so I like Ugo more because he's involved in something that is more than what he did in Emika's money. You know, then for the stories, I, I also like it for the same reason that Halima's vote for me, touches on more touches on more than one um, social problem. Okay, so yes, let, let me put it that way. But they are both great stories and both great characters. Thank you very much, Greg. Um, so, Kesiana, you played Halima in the film, and I'm wondering, you know, are you the one who's also singing when Halima is singing? Because it's amazing. Um, so, what was your experience bringing Halima to life? What do you think about the character, the story? You know, how all of that. Just let us know how that was. Okay, so um, yes, I did also sing, um, and <laughs> and uh, being on it was actually amazing. It was like a first time experience of doing a voice over and also singing. It was my first time experience. So it was new. And because at that time, I wasn't really busy like that. So it was for the whole new experience. Okay, I'm ready for this and all. Of course, it did come with a few challenges and all of that. And then the storyline was just amazing. I mean, 
it's um, easy to, you know, talk about corruption in a whole and not like dissect it in like certain parts. But this one actually addressed the public and not the government per se. So it's like the government has a part to play in it, but then we as a people also have a part to play in it. So it's not just corruption mm-hmm. in the sense mm-hmm. of, but like, okay, we as citizens, what exactly are we doing to stop the corruption? So it was so relatable because I have been in a position maybe where I'm not okay with someone's opinion on something or a general opinion. And I try to share my opinion and it's kind of just shut down because it's not the general thing that people believe in. So it was like, I could relate to Halima on that basis because it's like, she was thinking this is supposed to be for the society and for the betterment of the community, but somehow those people thought it was supposed to be a normal thing to just take bribes and all of that. So, yeah, it was really relatable. And I, I could see more from a citizen's perspective than the um, country as a whole. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so follow up still. How has that been, being part of this project influenced, you know, um, being Halima, has that affected any other thing in your life or has that influenced your thoughts or behaviors in any way? Um, I would say that it has emphasized certain points that, that has always been there. You know, points like having to stand and share your opinion because everyone is entitled to that. Um, ordinarily, we can just sit back and be like, well, let them just do whatever they want to do because, I mean, a whole lot of people are doing exactly the same thing and there are just a few people who don't really want to go with that. But rather than act, they just, you know, they're laid back and they don't want to react and stuff. So I feel like the whole thing, the whole animated film emphasized the point of having a voice and actually using that voice in helping your society. And another very important thing I noticed was it wasn't it wasn't set up in in an urban area. It was a rural area. It's a small factor of a, uh, of a state, not even like the whole country as a whole. So you know, seeing that from a rural perspective, it just shows that everyone is supposed to have a hand in making the society better. So that emphasis made it so important because I could be in school and I'm supposed to be making impact by you know spreading that positivity and trying to reduce corruption and all of that in my small society so it emphasized so much of that and that was so relatable and of course the whole point of it was just amazing actually thank you thank you very much Kirsten. and i'm surprised it's your first time singing because your voice on that track was amazing i have to be be the first to tell you that if you haven't heard that were really 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 well done um so i'll go back to you you're welcome welcome um I'll go back to Oni and MB briefly. Um, I'll start with Oni. Um, how would you say Step Up Nigeria and Basement Studios were able to bring this vision to life? How I was working um, with Basement on this? Were there any challenges or lessons uh, in the journey to creating this film? So Oni first, please. I'm laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing because I can see MB really laughing when you said, what were the challenges? <laughs> I think the challenges ended yesterday. <laughs> but it's been, it's been, um, so what is it? What, you know, we've worked with, this is the second project with Basement, right? So one of the things I like about Basement is the, is the fact that they kind of share the vision of what Step Up Nigeria is trying to do. When you have creatives coming together with development practitioners to, you know, to, to, to give a social message using film, 
Um, I think it's important that those, you know, both parties kind of have the shared vision. And I think I want to state that that was really very critical, you know, in the partnership with Basement. Now, how did we work as partners? I can tell you it wasn't easy, particularly Halima's vote. Halima's vote has been quite a challenging project, you know, um, and I think for Basement as well, you know, mostly for Basement, um, with the COVID-19 and so many things. Um, but um, we, we are, I'm, I'm happy and glad that we've, been able to move past all those challenges and produce and hopefully you have produced the film that many many people both in Nigeria and outside of Nigeria would love. Um, one of the things I think one of the things I want to point out is like the beauty of this partnership is in terms of the different skills and expertise both um, parties bring. So for Step Up Nigeria our role as knowledge experts you know was really helpful on the issue of anti-corruption good governance um, and ensuring that you know in rewriting because one of the things is, even though Halima's vote is based on the book, um, Basement's role is to kind of create a script and, you know, and, you know, make a film. And so where we come in is things like ensuring that the script stays on message, doesn't deviate much from the book. Um, you know, Step Up Nigeria also providing technical advice around the, you know, quality of the animation, the, you know, just basically the whole production. Um, and just to be to ensure that the film hits the targets. One of the things we want to do with this film is to change behaviors. Um, and Greg and Kessiana have all mentioned, you know, how part, you know, the messaging from the film. And we're hoping that it's not just something people would watch and say, hey, yeah, what a nice film. We want people to watch that film and actually reflect and take action and change behaviors and take a stand. So it was very important that that's where Step Up Nigeria came in, you know, to ensure that we we hit that. And with Basement's creativity and hard work and commitment, I think we were able to kind of um, hopefully um, produce a film that will stand the test of time. So I'll say yes. So it was, we worked together at every stage of the project um, and and Basement is highly talented, talented and creative. And, and that was how we we're able to kind of bring the, the projects, you know, to life. Thank you very much, Oni. So that's the Step Up Nigeria perspective. Um, let's welcome MB. Let's hear from Basement Studios. How was the process of creating this film? Um, any lessons, any challenges, and you know how you brought the vision to life? Even from an animator's perspective, it would be interesting to hear. So MB. So I think um, when um, when Yetot spoke about doing Halima's votes, and after, after we had done Emeka's money, I think we just reviewed what were the challenges and the things that we couldn't get right on the first film. And I think one of the first thing was that there was the 10 minutes felt like it was not enough to tell the film or pass the message in, in that sense. So we internally decided to put an extra five minutes on the film. So I think I think even at that point, Oye didn't even know that. There was an extra five minutes on the film at that point. Then. So we added an extra five minutes, which obviously escalated the cost, the timing, you know, every single thing that I had to do it. Then another thing we also couldn't do on the Mecca's Money, we couldn't get the, the message of the song within the film. We had to leave it on an end credit level. So now this time we wanted to put the song within the, the short film, which was an overdue sincerely. It was just an overdue. We went ahead and went to create three songs, create an EP, a short soundtrack. I've, I've been oh. hearing this every day, Farami. Sorry to cut you. Emily <laughs> has tried to make this message every single day to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, we went to, sincerely, we went to overdue. But I think we had a meeting yesterday, the whole team, 
And there's something that we kept on selling ourselves. We said that when we did Emeka's money, it felt like we had done something beyond ourselves. And as a team and as a studio, we wanted to push the boundary. We never wanted to settle for just where we were the last time. So that's been our perspective. Um, we want to always raise the bar of what we are doing. And it represents not just us as a studio, it represents our industry, it represents our nation, it represents mm -hmm, our... Mm -hmm. Not just pass just a political message, because I notice most of the messages, they're always downplayed, less, less production quality, so many things. But we wanted people to appreciate not just the quality of the project, but also the message, and for people to take this message very serious. And there's something else that we also try to get. That's from my other partner, Rodney, that produced, he produced and wrote all the songs. We wanted that emotional perspect, um, perspective of the message to go with it so that once you listen to it, it actually gets to you that as a citizen of Nigeria, you should actually do something about it. You know, the message, the, the, the short film is coming at the very right time. I remember when me and when you were talking about the whole NSAS thing, all the things that are happening now. And I think from the whole point of the NSAS, all things that have happened in the nation, everybody has been driving towards the same point. Get your voter's card. Do something with your voter's card. And I think that's the message that, you know, we're able to carry along. And, you know, just even just do throughout the whole production, we need to make a change. If this is going to be our only little contribution of a message that could spread during this season to the next election, then we need to make sure that it's, it's done properly, it shows that people behind it really care about their nation. Every single thing was thought through before we actually put it out. Thank you. Thank you very much, MB. I, I can feel your passion and excitement about the film, you know, like it's on your shoulders. Proud, proud. Um, so Ibrahim is back. Um, so let's let's quickly get Ibrahim while the network is good. Um <laughs> So yeah, Ibrahim, um, again, like I said, really excited to have you on this project. You are uh, Ahmed. Um, so how did you feel when you were approached to be a voiceover artist for this film? Is this the first time um, you're being a voiceover artist or your thoughts about the story? So yes, when 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 MB hit me up and, you know, tried to get me on the project, he, in fact, in less than five minutes, I was completely sold. He's a very, first of all, he's a very, very passionate person. And he's very convincing. The man has, he has skill. So um, it was a period when I was working on a lot of different projects at the same time. So we both knew that scheduling might be a challenge, but he just never gave up. He just always, and he was so understanding that at some point I started to feel very guilty. Like I felt really bad. And I was like, bro, you have gone, You've, you, you know, you've gone above and beyond, you know, to give me an opportunity to do something that I have always wanted to do. And you don't you don't have to you don't have to be so understanding. But he he just he's who he is, you know, and it was a rough time for me because I was juggling too much at the same time. It was just crazy. But then I finally, you know, we finally were able to work it out. And then I found a good time that was also good for the studio. And then I showed up. And we just had a lot of fun in the studio that, that, that day. We, like, it felt like I should come back every day and just hang out with them. Like, we, had, we spent some more time laughing, and then we had, it turned out that we had a lot of mutual friends that we grew up with. And it, it, it didn't feel like work. It just felt like, you know, something that you are you're excited about. But then if you find out that that thing that you're so excited about is also important. You know, so 
you're doing something that you're excited about. You're making um, you're making magic. You're you're voicing for animation. It's something that you're excited about. But then the message behind the project is super important. It is timely, and it's 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 for the good of 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 us all. So that that really got me going. And then it was the first time that I was actually doing um, voicing for animation like that. Normally I do for stills or I do for radio or a voiceover for a TVC. But this time, I mean, they, they, they should need the, the artwork. Can you hear me? Okay. So they showed me the artwork for my character. And I was like, okay, so, you know, hey, that's me. And and then I saw Greg's character. And then I even listened to Greg's, um, his own, because he had voiced his own bits. And I heard that, you know, so it just, just seeing the process, you know, part of the process was great. And then I had to sing. I don't know if you know this, but I cannot sing to save oh, my life. Oh, so that was your voice. Yes. So, but I guarantee you that what you hear is very different from what it sounded like when I did it. So between him and Rodney, I don't trust these men. They are, they are, they are just, they're amazing. These guys are just, they did magic. Because, I mean, <laughs> what I heard when I finished voicing the, the music part, I was like, you know what? They're going to sack all of us from this project if this is how we sound <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> so I'm glad that they figured it out in a way that, that it didn't sound as bad as it sounded to me. Um, but it wasn't just honor. And I'm glad that it's something that's timely. And it feels like it's even more timely now than it, than it was when we filmed, when we when we recorded it. It feels it feels even more timely now. So I think this is the this is the right time. This is the right time. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Brian. Um, quickly, you know, as someone who grew up in the north, um, the story itself um, did that resonate with you in any way? And what were your thoughts about it? So yes, um, it did. It did strongly. It did because um, generally worldwide, we know that women, you know, aren't getting the 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 how do I put this now? Their voices are not paid attention to the way that they should. And it's it doesn't make sense to, to some of us. I was raised by my mom, so I'm used to a woman having a strong voice around me. You know, so but then in the north, they are basically second class citizens, you know, um, if we're being honest. And so their voices are not really heard. They're not given opportunities. And the crazy thing about this is that worldwide, women show that they're capable in terms of, um, of making sure structure works. So as long as there's structure that makes sense, it is much easier for women to keep it running and make sure that everybody's happy than the rest of us human beings. In autumn, I haven't seen it this bad. It's it's never been good, but it has never been this bad. Maybe because one, you know, more people are more vocal about the atrocities, but it has never. It just hasn't felt this dark ever. And glad that all of this is going on now. And I'm glad that more people are lending their voices mm -hmm. and providing platforms for you know for people to 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 vocal about these things. Thank you, thank you very much, Brian. Um, 
I'm sure you were excited. We can see it as well. Hoping to see the film as well tomorrow when it launches. Um, so next, let's go back to Gregory for a bit. Um, what change do you hope this film will bring about in the viewers? Um, the same thing we spoke about, the maker's money, and it's it's been so powerful in inspiring a lot of young people as well to take action. Um, so what change do you hope this film will bring about in the viewers? Um, do you also think this film will have an impact on adults as well as children in the coming election? Um, <clears throat> I foresee it having um, the intended change, which um, for me I would outline as um, um, a turn away from our corrupt practices, both as individuals and as government um, players, turn around from our discrimination or sidelining of women, um, or turn around from um, um, anti-developmental, um, turn around from participating in anti-developmental um, things, so to say, for democracy as a whole, for the good of the nation uh, as a whole. Um, as far as adults go, I want to say categorically that anyone who has a conscience should obviously feel the need to change. Either the conscience be inactive, those who have an active conscience automatically, they're already, they already prone to good behavior. This will just reinforce it. Those who have an inactive conscience, this will tickle it to get back on track, most likely. You know, it is only those without a conscience in them that will not feel a tug, you know, at the souls to just do right. The, the, the message is strong. It is clear. It is direct. It is easily comprehensible by the least educated person. So I foresee the intended change happening for all those who have ears, for they shall listen. So God help us as we proceed with this. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Gregory. Um, I'd like to hear um, Ibrahim's thoughts next, if Ibrahim can still hear us. Yeah. Um, so what impact do you hope that the film would have um, on, on adults as well? And then in the coming elections, do you think it would have some impact for those who see it? So I think that, um, as, as Gregory said, one of the most important things is... Um, is that rekindling of the conscience. I feel like in this part of the world, in our darling country, our consciences have been numbed, you know, by years and years of seeing people get away with the things that they should not get away with. Mm -hmm. The point where we expect people to get away with things that they shouldn't. And then we also, without realizing it, we're beginning to look for opportunities to get away with things that we shouldn't because everybody everybody else is doing it so we're like you know hey we might as well so for example if if i for example was the kind of guy who would you know cut corners break rules you know do all of that getting involved in this project reading the scripts going through the process it would make me feel some type of way you understand you start to think to yourself am i a hypocrite I'm saying these things, but I'm doing the direct opposite. Now, when we show this film to to our peers and people who are older than us, a lot of them are going to think, my kids are going to see this. And then they are going to know that there are 
there's, there's a standard, there's a minimal standard to be held to. Am I going to do better in front of my kids? Or am I going to wait until my kids tell me to do better? So I'm really hoping that that is the kind of, um, of impact and influence that this project will have on people who are older. And then for the young people who are going to see it, it will just reinforce what um, I hope that they already know. Because if we lose, if we lose the kids, it's all over. So, so those are my two. Those are the two things that I hope for. Those are the two things that I hope for. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Ah, thank you very much. I completely agree with you. Um, hopefully, we have some children in the audience tomorrow who also share their thoughts on the film. Um, so yeah, next, MB. Same thing. Um, your thoughts on what the impact of the film would be? You know, there's. <laughs> There's, there's a lot that is happening now in Nigeria, and it's sometimes you just you hear one news, you hear another news, and for me, this is this is somehow good news, you know, you know, from the message, and hope, I'm just hoping that that what sparked up last year, October, keeps going. The youths and everybody's drive and passion, they keep just pressing on towards the change that we desire in our nation you know i feel like well we've never been like this driven like this in our nation and i'm hoping this message will also add to to stir up more people to embark on this journey for the change for our country thank you thank you um so Oi, lastly um you know you wrote the book um, and now the film is here what do you hope that it would achieve especially in the coming elections you know with all the clamoring um for young people to vote and you know bring about that change yeah thanks for i think everyone if greg ibrahim mb they've all mentioned you know um what's my vision for this story um is um, but I think to crown everything up, I think for me, I think Nigeria needs to begin to have a culture of integrity where we prioritize public good. Because I keep on thinking, and it's not just in Nigeria, if you look at systems like the US and, so, uh, and, the, and the UK, for example. Yes, institutions matter, but individuals matter. We need to start paying attention to instilling values, you know, bringing up a generation of people with values that you don't have to say too much. They have been yeah. from, from, from the families to the school age, they have been taught this is how you, you are to act, whether you're in public service, whether you're a market woman, whether you're, you know, I'm kind of frustrated you know, about governance issues in so many countries that I've been in, including Nigeria. This is not just peculiar to Nigeria. So I think it's really important to raise that generation. We all have kids. I have an eight-year-old, I have a six-year-old. You know, I want them to be able to come back home to Nigeria safely at some point. You know what I mean? Like, we all want, we all have, most of us possibly on this call, um, might have, you know, would have kids or whatever. And even if you don't have kids, it's just the fact that it's your country. Someone said the other day, we cannot run, you can't be running away. We can't all run away. <laughs> Whether you even run away, it's still home. home. Home is home. And so for me, the, this is the first step of kind of like, you know, seeing how can we build that culture? Because I've worked in the field of anti-corruption for over 15 years. We've analyzed, we've talked, even on social media. Me, I'm not really like social media talk. We talk, everybody <laughs> talks about the problem. Um, yeah, I'm not really like, you know, but I just feel like it's time to do. One of the soundtracks in, in, in Harima's book is Talk and Do. I think it's time for us to actually now to start take, to take action. And like Kessiana mentioned earlier, it's not just about government taking action. It's me as an individual. Me, I want to start with me. Before I point the figure at Ibrahim or at NB, me. 
as only, oh, what can I do to make a change? And I want kids to know that they can make a change, that no matter how small. And I also don't want this issue about people thinking that making a change, you have to be like a celebrity or yeah. um, yeah. be a politician or be that kind of person. I want... That was why I wrote, in fact, actually, that's what inspired me most in Halima's book when I was writing. I wanted people to say that that conductor over there, whether yeah. man or woman, sure. can make a change. That village woman over there can stand up and take a stand. And I think that's the Nigeria we should be moving you know, forward. So I'm hoping that this would resonate and encourage people from different walks of life within the country that they can actually make a difference. And I think, for me, I'll be very happy if we achieve that. We're not going to achieve that in the next year or so, even in the next election. But I think we can begin to, people can reflect and begin to think through their conscience on what kind of Nigeria they want going forward. Thank you. Thank you very much, Omi. Um, I do hope that, you know, all our hopes um, and aspirations for this film will, will come to pass in the way that we've desired and even beyond our expectations. Um, so to round up our conversation, I'll start with Kesiana. Um, you know, you're the lead character, you're Halima. Um, so speaking as Halima, what message do you have for children, um, particularly young girls who will see the film and who will very likely be inspired by it? What message do you have for them on how to make a positive impact on their society? Okay, um, first of all, I think it is important for people to know that good values don't like go non-existent. They're always there. If you have it, you always have it. You know, sometimes people actually deviate a bit from some of these things, but some part of them actually knows that, okay, you're not on the right track. You should, you know, go back to where you start from. That's the essence of foundation because you you always get to remember that this is not where I was from the beginning and I should actually reflect. So I think, you know, bringing up children with these values, letting them know that these opinions are not, they're very good. And the normal system, the normal thing that is being accepted is not the right thing. It's important for children to know from that very young age that they can influence, you know, thoughts, opinions, make a difference. In very small societies, like I mentioned earlier, everything doesn't have to be at the national level or the state level. Your small community, your estate, you make a difference. So when you, you know, see children in school, there's some things that children pick some things that they learn so it's like when you instill these good values in them is to enforce it and keep you know hammering on it you're not supposed to deviate from this the norm as it is right now is not supposed to be and you should actually make a difference even in the smallest things relatable to children so and then um making a positive impact i think that from the perspective of maybe an adult no longer a child, um, um, not just a child now, it is important for us to actually exercise um, good values. You know, some of us, like I said, you grow up with these values, they deviate from it and all of that. It is important that we bring back, you know, knowing that the society needs to change, not just based on what the government has to say, but also what the citizens have to say. And it is important because at the end of the day, we form the society, we form the country, we are citizens of the country. So when we don't play our part, it's easy for the government to do whatever it is that they can. And I like everyone has actually referenced to that's the NSAS protest. It was really effective and it was eye-opening because a lot of people began to see the need to fight for a cause, even if the results are not like so, we're not going to see them so quickly. 
it still shows that, yes, people know that there are values that we're supposed to uphold. And that keeps going on for the for the longest time as possible. And then people eventually see the need to live in a society that needs to benefit everyone. So that's the point on it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kesiana. Thank you. Um, Ibrahim, Halima's husband. Um, you know, I think that change in character at some point, I think, you know, Ahmed got to that point where he saw, you know, my wife has a very valid point and I should listen to and the community should. So I think that's something we need to point out as well in, in the role of the husbands, you know, of women like this, the role in believing in them, empowering them, um, lifting them up. So for you also, um, what message do you have for children, um, young boys, young girls, on how they can make a positive impact on their society? Okay, so I feel like um, you, you just you just said something that you know is very key. Husbands need to support their wives and amplify their voices. It is important for you know, I mean, as a as as a married man, I know how often I consult my wife on practically everything that I do. And over the last couple of years that we've been together, I, I've come to realize that because we see things differently, it is easier, you know, it is very easy to just, you know, discount her perspective because that's not the way I see it. But then most of the time, in hindsight, I realized that I didn't take into consideration a lot of things. I just, you know, tunnel vision just made sure that I only saw what the objective was. And then everything that is, you know, on either side of, you know, what I'm focused on gets affected in ways that they shouldn't have. So, yes, men, we need to be more deliberate about amplifying the voices of our women. And then little boys, I know that the focus for this is supposed to be, you know, talking to little girls and all of that and all of that. But these little girls are going to have to get married to the little boys when they're older. So if we do not get things right with our little boys, it's just what we're going through today is just it's the cycle just keeps going on and on and on. So I feel like as as fathers, as men, we need to also consciously, as we amplify the voices of our wives and our daughters, we have to also teach our sons to defer to them and listen to them and support them, you know. They are, see them as peers. It's 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 important that the lessons that we are having to learn as men today, that is difficult for us to learn. We don't have to let. It doesn't have to be difficult for our sons. You know, let's let's let if we start now. They won't be as they won't be the relics that we are when it comes to equality and 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 support and all of that. So yes, I feel like as much as we're trying to focus on giving women, you know, their due, we should also make sure that the boys that we're raising do not make the mistake, do not make the mistakes that we have already made. So yeah, that's 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 my take. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Kesiana. Thank you, Gregory. Thank you, MB. Thank you, Onya. I think it's been an amazing podcast. Um, so much content, so many tidbits to take away, messages to girls, to young boys, to husbands, to women out there um, that you and I can be the change that we want to see in our country. And I think that's the uh, inspiring part of the film. Um, I'll let Oye just give some final comments to round up and then we'll be done. Um, I'd just to say thank you to Ibrahim and Gregory and Kessiana for making our time and then we 
making out time you know for this podcast so lovely to meet all of you and yeah thank you so much and have a lovely day